Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today I'm sitting at the museum in Thurston Gardens, Ginger Cafe. We've got some birds in the background and fans going, it's um, incredibly humid. But I'm sitting here with an amazing pastor in the city of Suva, Pastor Tico. So welcome. Naka. Thank you, Letitia. Now you started sounding Fijian, but once we start to hear your voice, you've got a bit of an accent, so maybe just tell us a bit of your upbringing and where you've come and gone from. Bula, um, bula everyone, bula viti. Um, so my name is Tiko um, Tonganivalu, and I was born and bred here in uh, Fiji, in Suva, um, a child of the 70s, and um, a lot of uh, great memories of um, being brought up here in Fiji. So I come from... Um, a family of five boys, and mum and dad um, were uh, their pastors, the retired pastors now. But um, yeah, our childhood has really kind of revolved around people and people of all different cultures, uh, different experiences, which has uh, highs and lows uh, all in amongst it. And so I'm grateful, along with my wife Shelley, uh, after 28 years in New Zealand, uh, we felt the call of God to come back and um, come and give back uh, to where uh, we met and where I was brought up. Yep, no, I love it when good, a lot of good people leave Fiji, but it's even better when good people come back. So it's, it was great to discover you last year and uh, meet you and just hear your heart for Fiji. And you have a huge passion for young people. Um, you're a father of two boys, so you, you know what boys are like. You're working extensively here in Suva with young teenagers. So today we're going to have a discussion really on how, particularly to help parents, how do we bring up good young men in a in a Fijian culture um, that probably says that men are in charge and in a porn-saturated culture which again um, says that men are in charge. So this is the prominent message that our boys are getting and hearing all the time um, and it's part of the reason why we're dealing with such huge rates of abuse. Um, my discussion with young women, Fijian women, probably in their 20s and 30s are like, I don't want to marry a Fijian man. And I can understand why they're saying that, but at the same time, I find that so sad. Because, <laughs> firstly, not all Fijian men are bad, but we've got a, we need people to marry and procreate. That's part of our um, destiny. So, let me ask you, with your own sons, I mean, you never do anything perfect, but what have been some of the, um, I guess, the keys to bringing up two young men? Because they're in their 20s now, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, we've got a 25-year-old and a 20, soon-to-be 23-year-old. Um, and, and raising them up in uh, a Kiwi culture um, has been unique because, um, having had said before, I was born and bred here, um, so everything about me was Fijian. Um, and so having married someone from outside my culture, um, which I think sort of wasn't really my plan, but it just eventuated that I found the right girl and uh, settled down and we... Uh, just really kind of gave our life up to the call of God and whatever that would look like for us at the time. So having had moved to another culture, it was my first time in New Zealand, 1996, and uh, being there as a 20-year-old, soon to be 21-year-old, I was a kid really kind of navigating through. I think one of the uh, positive things about living in Suva was that I was not uh, so I suppose the Fiji cable, or because I was um, Susumandrai, um, I was brought up here, so I kind of understood how cities would work. Um, 
having to raise our kids, I think for me was I was before we had them, I was on a journey of discovery as to who I was and who had God created me to be. Um, having to learn that yes, I was a, a product of Fiji, but there was a lot of things that uh, negative things that I taken on as part of my personality um, around I think uh, touchy subjects like porn pornography um, abuse the language around disciplining kids um, which was in a New Zealand context that was just not the way thing was going to be done and it was more it wasn't the Kaivalangi thing this is now about kingdom and I think I decided as a very young man that our house was going to be a kingdom house. It was going to be done in such a way that um, biblical principles was going to be uh, part of who we were. And uh, we both had equal voices in raising our family. And so it was a journey. I needed help. I got some help, which was great. Uh, and we were part of a faith community that really kind of helped us. Um, you know, like being cross-culturally uh, married uh, brings with it its beauty, but also its challenges. Um, and so I had to, as a young man, confront uh, those challenges. And I'm still here today to tell the tale of it. So raising our two young boys um, with my Fijian father hat on, um, there were some things that I needed to adjust. There were some things definitely that I had to chuck out. But really it was about um, what does the Bible say about parenting, uh, about me as a dad and how to raise sons. Um, and I just saw, I mean, we thank God now looking back, goodness. Just um, lessons learned and the hard conversations. And we thank God that today we look back and we've, you know, we could say hand on heart, we've raised godly young men. So, yeah. Beautiful. That's beautiful. We're both sitting here with tears in our eyes. <laughs> I love a man who cries. Um, no, it's, it's, it's the amazing grace of God, isn't it? And that's what my parents have raised five children and made many mistakes, but they've done a lot right. But we, it's the grace of God. You were talking before about the importance of being vulnerable, which is probably one of the Fijian things you had to chuck out, was it? But tell us how important being vulnerable is um, in raising children. I think uh, as if you're a parent listening to this, you'll, and you'll, you'll really understand that you kids see everything. They will ask questions about everything. And so I had to, as a couple, we had to decide that nothing was taboo. Nothing was taboo that we couldn't talk about. Um, and I think uh, having just, the, the, and my two boys, God bless them, their, their personalities to bring the best out of, of me uh, was, was unique in the sense that we, um, in a Kiwi culture, even in a Kiwi culture, things were still swept under the carpet. But we decided in our own home that we would, that we would talk about stuff. So being vulnerable, um, as a young, as a 16-year-old, I suppose, I was really aware of my emotions. My dad, um, you know, whenever the Spirit of God would move, he would cry. And so as a teenager, I would get bullied into thinking your dad's weak because he's crying all the time and so I that was one part of me that I really shut down and as a as an adult growing up seeing my own kids and I was like man I don't want them to feel like they have to be macho all the time that they that the strength the God-given strength that we have is to help those who are vulnerable help those who are weak and in order to help other men 
you know, be vulnerable is we have to be vulnerable ourselves. So the tears thing is is a massive journey that I had to go over because I had to ask the questions: Why the tears? Um, just even during this podcast, uh, you know, it's like God's just whew, show me images of of times and places where He's moved, and and that moves me to tears because I understand that. I'm only here today by the grace of God. Um, so, with my children being raised up in 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 a, in a Christian home, uh, it meant that the schools that they went to was not necessarily Christian because I wanted them to be exposed to the real needs and real communities. I was brought up in um, in in a in a family that really embraced um, our feelings and 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 what that meant. Uh, it's interesting, Letitia. Like even in within a, a Christian family, um, <laughs> you know, abuse and and um, all this kind of trauma it, it sneaks in. Uh, pornography, you know, kind of sneaks into your home. And while your parents have the best of intentions to have a safe home this stuff still happens. So I I think part of my journey as a young dad was to make sure that the conversation around what that meant uh, was was open. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying before you just had a no, you know, anything was open. Conversation about anything, there were no holes barred. Um, so we're living in a society where by the age of 15, 100% of boys have seen porn. Now, whether they're addicted or continue on to it, but they've been exposed and they might not have gone looking for it but it's popped up um, so I'm sure um, your boys um, had to navigate how did you navigate bringing up boys in a porn culture um, I think the um, having how I how we confronted this as a family because you know all of these things the conversations happen as a result of something that's happened and so I remember, uh, you know, we having had, um, uh, you know, found it in our home, uh, and it was a now it's going to be a difficult conversation. And I remember, um, you know, talking to my sons about it and, and really saying, you know, this person that you're watching is someone's mum. This person that you're watching is someone's uh, daughter. And and this is an industry that that thrives on. Um, you know, just this made-up uh, idea of what uh, sex life needs to be, and 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 I think I think talking about it made them feel, uh, you know, that there was there was something wrong about it. Um, and I remember, you know, kind of contextualizing it into our family and saying, you know, this could be someone watching your own mum, you know, uh, and that really brought it home for us. And I remember, you know, for me, I was addicted to porn as a young, as a youngster, and being exposed to it just with a bunch of boys at school, and and not thinking anything about it, uh, much about it, and then to realise, you know, like now you're having to raise your own sons. It's confronting, you know, that, that it is a problem in our society and unless I'm talking about it, about my vulnerability around pornography and, and how we are so susceptible to it, then our kids uh, will succumb to it and will be exposed to it, whether we like it or not. Absolutely. So talking is the key, uh, creating space, being honest I think it's so important as parents that our kids know that we struggle because <laughs> uh, they do see it. 
Um, let's have a talk about culture. You mentioned about determining to be kingdom culture. Um, so can you talk about the difference between how Fijian culture is raising men <laughs> um, but how God wants us to raise them? Um, that's a great question. I, I think I decided, uh, so Fijian culture, you're caught and then the conversation happens. Um, but I, we decided in our family that it was going to be a conversation before there needs to be any catching of anything wrong. And I, I, you know, my culture, my cultural upbringing was all about being suspicious of someone and not thinking the best of someone. Um, I think having putting language around abuse and putting language around pornography really helped me um, address it with my boys. And so I think not having to sweep it under the carpet. Uh, or that'll be a conversation at another date, but but making the commitment. Now we'll sit across the table, both mum and dad, and we're going to talk about this. Not to not to witch hunt your kids, but actually to just say that is a problem, and as a family, we want to help you deal with it. So unless we address it, then we are literally letting our kids fall into a pit that they can't get themselves out of. So parents, uh, we, we decided we needed to be vulnerable with our kids. And, and you know, my wife has been brought up in, uh, you know, Christian culture of a family uh, and, and may not have been, um, you know, kind of introduced to pornography, but pornography is all around us. It's in advertising, it's in magazines, it's the, the sex sells idea. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you're in a Christian home uh, or in a non-Christian home, this stuff confronts us. So I think we decided we're not going to sweep it under the carpet. Let's talk about it. That's great. Now that's brilliant. Um, so this week I've been doing some sessions at a local girls school which has been awesome and we've been talking around boys because girls love boys and unfortunately girls have this need to be loved um, and if they haven't had a good father they're looking to the boys. I asked them a question. Um, I asked them to write down what has your experiences of boys been? Um, and they were honest and many of them handed that in to me. The, the overwhelming um, answers, ge general answers that came back was that they've um, been verbally abused, the boys put them down, um, they're always trying to have sex or get something out of them. I mean this is just what you're navigating as a teenager. So where has this come from? Where, where are we going wrong as a nation? There's the saying that goes monkey see monkey do. Um, as a young kid, I was guilty of that um, because I saw my older cousins, older siblings, that was, you know, uncles, um, that was what was being done, object, objectifying women. Um, we would look down on them as second grade citizens. Um, but thank God, in my home, uh, growing up, my dad would, be, would have been the perfect model of what it was to be. Uh, a man who was uh, who would honour his wife. Um, I remember, you know, Dad would 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 make a big deal about date nights, and Dad would make a big deal about, um, um, you know, like showing affection to Mum in front of us five boys, and that was always cool. You know, the weekends away, um, all of those kind of things. I would imagine that would have been a, a kind of a different way of showing love uh, to your spouse, and so I learnt that from my dad. I think um, you know there's this there's this macho culture, this 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 you know well you you show your strength by the amount of girls that you've 
you know, being with, and which is so toxic. And um, I, I, I know now with the young men uh, and young women that we have, um, that we're ministering to, um, it's a conversation that we address all the time. Um, actually, girls deserve to be wooed. Girls deserve to be um, uh, honoured, uh, and and so do guys as well. So uh, we're seeing so much uh, negative um, behaviour around relationships where they feel like they have to hide it. And when your pastor is asking you questions about your love life, it's not because I want to pick holes at it. I just want to know what the pattern is and how we can, you know, there's so much teenage pregnancy because kids are finding love so quickly, but they don't know how to, how to deal with the relationship. So I feel like that's a conversation as a nation we must have um, because it's killing our kids. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, what, you know, you're a pastor and yeah, I love that you're so proactive um, on teaching what healthy relationships look like what would you say is a biblical man um, because again unfortunately um, the culture has infiltrated a lot of the traditional churches in Fiji where the biblical man is the head of the home which the Bible does say <laughs> and the woman must submit but what you know from a kingdom-minded um, point of view what do those scriptures and what does it actually mean to be a kingdom man <laughs> well um it just means to be like Jesus. And just seeing how Jesus honored all women from all walks of life. Um, and, and I think as a, I believe as a, as a man, as a Christian man, um, honoring um, our wives, honoring uh, women, um, is as close to honoring God himself. Is um, Women are the body of Christ as well. You know, they have a purpose. They have got... Um, I couldn't do anything. I mean, honestly, my wife is is everything to me. And she personifies Christ. So, how I treat her is how I'm treating Christ himself. Um, she she makes... We, we make decisions. And she's allowed to make decisions. And I don't have to be the guy who say, has the last say. That's something I had to learn. I don't have to have the last say. Uh, that it's okay that I trust her with my life and I trust her with my family. That when I'm not around, she's the one that has to lead. Uh, and we lead together equally. And, and that's something that we've taught our sons. And so I think for Fiji, for in our culture, um, is, is actually more of us need to, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that she's from another culture, that it's different. It means that as a woman, she deserves to have the right to uh, to choice, uh, the right to decide for the well-being of your family, uh, even for herself, the right to decide for herself what's what's best for her. Uh, and um, I think uh, part of our sound as a family is to ensure that every young man, every young woman that comes in contact with us, uh, we actually give them kingdom mindset on how it is that we relate to each other and even across cultures as well. So that's brilliant. What would you say, what does being the head of the home mean for you? Uh, plainly and simply, it's serving. I, I lead through service. I lead through giving up my own rights uh, for the best and for the betterment of my family. That's pretty much it. Serve. I think that's what the Bible says, laying down your life, doesn't it? It goes on to say, man gets to lay down his life as Christ did for the church. And... If um, if every man in Fiji got a hold of this, 
it would transform the nation. I mean, it would transform all of our nations. <laughs> and we have these issues in Australia. But unfortunately, that's not what the churches are preaching. They're, they're preaching a very distorted view of um, control and power and woman must submit. And oh, that's where just so much goes wrong. What's been your failure as a father? Just one? Oh, lots. Um, I think trying to hold it all together. I think that's been a failure. Um, lying to my kids, I think that's been a failure. Um, uh, being ashamed of my story has been a failure. Is understanding that actually the power that comes from the gospel is embracing that you're a fallen person. By the grace of God, he, he pulls you up. And yeah, it's just being quiet is failure. Uh, staying quiet is a failure. So I think this opportunity to to be vulnerable and tell the story and to say to people, hey, if you're struggling, it's okay. Um, what's not okay is if you struggle alone. And I've been just reminded of that in the last few days is it's okay to struggle, but it's not okay to struggle alone. So I think, yeah, failure is part of life. Um, is just understanding that life goes on even beyond failure. So kind of just getting up and learning the lesson and moving on. Oh, failure is an important part of life because that's how you learn. Um, if you keep making the same mistakes that can be a problem. Finally as we finish um, we both met here at Thurston Gardens because uh, um, a few of you um, Fijian pastors are helping do a clip for me. Uh, it's an apology to the abused women of Fiji um, and that hopefully will come out on social media in coming weeks but just before we started you prayed and you got quite emotional. What were you feeling um, before you were about to do your part of the apology? I think just a realization that um, it's the grace of God that has brought us together. But then I just, I just felt like, man, there's so much pain and suffering that I've caused, even um, from negligence or staying quiet. And the the moment of just, you know, before the take it was just understanding, man, Jesus' heart breaks for those who are suffering, for the women of our culture and in this land. Um, and that um, actually we could start changing that by speaking out. So that for me was a, a moment of just realizing uh, we want to change something, but we change something by saying something and being the change ourselves. So, yeah. I love your heart, and um, we pray that that clip will bring healing to many, many. But uh, thank you for all you do to. Um, for the city of Suva and particularly reaching out to young people. You're doing an amazing job and God bless you. You're at Equippers Church. If you don't go to church and you're looking for a good church, I highly recommend um, Pastor Tico and his, his wife who's a pastor as well. They work equally together. So God bless. Easily I see your suffering I see Let the islands hear reason.